spoke to me. I told him, I said, you know what? The convicting power of the Holy Spirit is coming upon me just about the fact that, you know, I get into the Word sometimes for, for, for the message and I'll, I'll focus my, my attention on that. But God's calling me to have the, the Word of God within me every single day where it becomes, I have just, I'm hungry for it. I absorb it. I'm thirsty for the, the Word of God. I, I, can't, that I, I can't go a day without it. I have to have it. I want it when I get up. I want it before I go to bed. That just be in that place where the, we hunger and thirst for God's Word. The Word contains power and authority. See, you can go ahead and do that first one. Sorry about that. We were a little bit behind now. My wife made this up and she didn't know that I was going to be speaking on this today, but it, it ended up being a very, a very potent. The only thing, this, this is the only weapon that will stop the enemy dead in his tracks and I'm not afraid to use it. That's what we have to understand. The Word of God is that powerful. Amen. The Word of God has that much authority. See, and what comes from God proceeds, when we talk about the Word of God, it proceeds from God. It came from heaven. That, that, that um, go ahead to the next one. That, that makes me just, it, it, I don't know, when I, just, when, I, when I saw this picture, that the Word of God proceeds from out of God, it came from heaven. See, I think sometimes we get this idea that the Word of God is just about some men talking and they wrote this down and then that's all we leave it at. No, what I want you to understand and what we're going to get through tonight is the fact that this Word of God, it did not originate with man. It did not have its originations in any kind of man's idea. It originated from the throne room of God. So you know what? I'll tell you what. That gives me some hope. That gives me... That, that is strength and power and authority in that. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you say, it directly came from heaven. That's life transforming. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That word God-breathed, I'm, I'm not even going to try to say it, but it has two words in it, and it's Theo and Neo, and which is God and breathe. So what he says is to us is this. He says, that you know what? This didn't just come out of the air. This came from God. I breathe this into life. This will be the very first thing I will tell you about. When, when, when doctrine or you look at somebody who's off kelter, where they, where they don't need to be in, in a, a cult or whatever, this is the first thing that they always deny is the authority of God's Word. God breathed it. Then one other word just stuck out to me, and I just had to, I had to look it up because I had looked at a couple different translations, and one translation says that the, the, the servant of God may be adequately equipped for every good deed. And I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know. Is it just adequate, or is there something more to it? So I did a little word study in the Greek, and that word study about thoroughly means this. It means, I fit up, completely furnished, equip, furnish, supply, I accomplish, I finish. He's saying this, it's, it's a completeness out from to make suitable. So I want you guys to get this real quick. It's a completely out from to make us suitable for God. Ooh, that doesn't sound like adequate. 
That more, sounds more like thoroughly. That sounds like everything in entirety. God's Word is sufficient. It did not come from man. It's not a man's idea. It's not a man's thought. It's not a man's imagination. It came, it has its origin in heaven. It's not clever thoughts, mad-made imaginations, or even man's intelligence. It comes from the throne room of God. Second Peter 1.20 says, Above all... Pastor Mark, you said, didn't you? I think you used this with me this week when we were talking. He says we were talking about, what is it, how to keep pure? He says, above all, Proverbs says, he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets through the human, through human, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand tonight, when we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about something that has its, its origins in heaven. We're not talking about something that man could come up with or that you could intellectualize. God's intellectualism is far exceeds ours. He, you know, he, when He looks at us, I mean, He has to laugh at times because He, he knows we're just but dust. He says this, that this book possesses wisdom beyond this earth. Think about that just for a minute. This book right here, it's not like any other book you can get in the bookstore, in the library. This book right here contains the wisdom of God. It has come and originates in the throne room of heaven. Do you want to know what it really says? Then you must have a relationship with the author. I will tell you right now, without a relationship with the author, this book means nothing. Do you want to know what it really says? Then you've got to know the author. And when I talk about knowing the author, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who works through us to help us to understand it. See, do you want to be able to interpret the Word of God? You have to interpret it through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it on our own. And I'm going to show you some stories tonight in the Bible that I, I, I believe will just... I don't know, when I saw them, I was like, Lord, how easy it would be for us to get off kilter. See, do you want a road map or do you want a tour guide? I want a tour guide. I want him to take me and lead me down the path. In 1 Kings chapter 22, and I'm going to set the, the, the picture here for you real quick. In 2 Kings, or 1 Kings chapter 22, King Jehoshaphat and King Ahab have gotten together. And they're deciding whether they should go to battle against the Arameans. And so the king of Aram is out there and they're trying to decide what should we do. So King Ahab gets 400 prophets and he says, and they all say, go to war. Every one of them. Not only all of them, but one of them, a guy named Zedekiah, he builds this horn-like contraption, the Bible says, so that he can use it to gore the enemy. So you got 400 prophets. you got one guy over here building. He thinks he's a welder. He's building something. He's building this gore machine to go and do damage against the enemy. King Ahab and Jehoshaphat are, are asking, what do we do? Go. Go to war. 
Jehoshaphat says, Is there anybody else? Is there any other prophet? Ahab says, Yeah, there's Micaiah. But you, listen, every single time I've asked him for something, he always gives me a bad report. Don't, I don't even like the man. Don't ask him to come. Jehoshaphat says, bring him. Now remember, 400 prophets have already said. In fact, the guy that goes and gets Micaiah, he says, listen, 400 prophets have already said to go to battle. So you better come into alignment and agreement with what they're saying. Micah gets there. He says, I can only listen to one. I can only listen to what the Lord says. I don't care what 400 of them says. He walks in, he says, yeah, go to war. Go to battle. And then he says, no, but that's not what the Lord says. The Lord says that they're going to scatter you out. They're going to scatter you out. Now, I want you guys to imagine just for a minute being the one guy who says this and then is put in prison. See, in this country, mob rules. I love the democratic society we have. But God's system is not democratic. See, he's a king. And I just can't even imagine he does this and King Ahab says, put him in prison. The one guy who's speaking truth. Now, I want you guys to see what I've talked about for the last couple weeks. The flow of the enemy. The flow of the river of this world. The flow that is always going against. And here's one man trying to stand up in the midst of that. Trying to not buckle his knees against the flow that's coming against him. 400 have said, yeah, this is what you need to do. See, the thing is, is if we don't have an understanding, if we have not really got into the Word of God, we will not understand when the, when the enemy comes in and he tells us this and that. Because the 400, we'd like to believe them. I mean, we're not talking about one or two. We're not even talking about 12. We're talking about 400 of them all in agreement. And the gore man making the gore machine. See, if we haven't got into this book, we will not be able to know what the truth is. See, we can find a book, a Christian book, quote, quote, I put that in parentheses. We can find a Christian book that will prove anything we want. See, I want to believe it's okay to smoke marijuana. Guess what? There's a book out there about it. See, if it's okay to divorce, there's a book out there about it. There's a book that will tell you how you can prove it through the Word of God, that it's okay to do these things. It's okay to be rich and wealthy. That's what God has called us all to be. There's a book about that. See, but we have to be careful. Like I said last week, remember about our heart? I said our heart is deceitful. And we have to be careful that our heart 
doesn't deceive us. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now the Berean Jews were more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, I'm going to offer this to you guys, and I know it's going to go against some of us, but I want to let you know this. that this, the, These Bereans... They weren't just these casual little Bible studiers that we have today. They weren't just people that got together and throw flippantly throw around the Scriptures. Because the Bible says that when the Word came forth, they eagerly, they eagerly took it. But they examined the Scriptures to see if what was said was true. So they weren't going to just go, okay, they, they had... See, today we loved... I love what Francis Chan says about Bible study. See, we'll sit there, you know, go clean your room. Okay, I can tell you how to do that. I can tell you how to say it in Greek. I can tell you which way back and forth. But I haven't done it yet. See, God's calling us to the place where we're not just hearers of the Word. I'm going to tell you right now, I'll offer to you this tonight. If, you are, if you're just a hearer of the Word, you're not even really a Christian. See, James says it like this, those who are true Christians, John says it like this, that you're a liar if you say you're in him, but you don't do what he says. That's not me talking, I'm sorry. That's just the word. If you want to get mad, get mad at the book. Get mad at the author. Don't get mad at the messenger. It says they, that word, examine, it says vigorously judging, closely examining. That's what the Greek says there. We must know this book inside and out. Do you know it well? Do you know it well enough that no one will be able to deceive you? Because it's eternal. It's authoritative. It's truth. You can put your confidence in it. It doesn't change. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the things that the Bible talks about are going to happen. See, it probably wasn't the popular message when Moses said... Um, God says He's going to strike down all the firstborn. Ooh. Can you imagine all the, the, uh, the, the preachers in Egypt? That doesn't sound like God. In Psalms 12, verse 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth or clay, purified Seven times. There are three elements to this Word of God. There is the furnace of clay, the earth, which is the human instrument. There is the fire, which represents the Holy Spirit. And then there's the silver, which is the message. Those three things combined. See, that's what, that's what David was saying here. The words of the Lord are pure words. As tri silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. And purified seven times means this, absolutely pure. It re represents perfection of God's message. His message is perfect. See, but we need the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. If we stiff arm, as Billy likes to say, if we stiff arm the Holy Spirit, we quench the Holy Spirit, we refuse to listen to hear Him, then we will get off course. Men of God have gotten off course. Pastors have gotten off course. Because they have held their hand up against the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And they said, you know what? I understand this word. I'll let my, my intellect be the guide. 
I'll let my heart be my guide. Remember last week I said, you can't let your heart guide you. It will fool you. In Matthew chapter 7, we see the baptism of Jesus. And we see here as John the Baptist puts Jesus under the water. We see as He comes up, we see God the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. We see John the Baptist affirming that this is Him. This is the one that was talked about. And then we see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And then the Bible says that He didn't just come upon Him, but He remained on Him. In fact, that was the Scripture that I believe it's in, I want to say it's in uh, John chapter 1. It says, it affirms that the Holy Spirit would descend like a dove and remain upon Him. And then when you see that, he said to John, when you see that happening, when you see it remain on Him, then you will know He is the one that will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. See, we have to abide, we have to dwell close to Christ. Jesus, He put Himself in a position when the Holy Spirit came upon Him. When the Holy Spirit comes upon Him, all of a sudden, everything just got wonderful, didn't it? See, that's what we we preach today. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, everything is going to be great. Everything is going to come into alignment. Everything comes into agreement. Everything is perfect. But I want you to read the next scripture. What happens right after this? It says, then he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be tested and tried. I I will tell you this right now. I will offer you this. That the anointing of God is very recognizable by the enemy. The devil recognizes the anointing of God very quickly. The anointing of God, I don't know what it radiates out, but he sees it. Because at one point in time, the Bible says that he was an adorned cherubim. He understands that anointing. And when he saw it on Jesus, he was ready to go do battle right away. So what I want you to understand, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Woohoo! Great! Turn around, guess what? You're ready, be ready to fight. I wish it wasn't that way. I, honestly, I wish it was like all these other preachers talk about. It's lovely. It's great. It's, it's going to be just a fun, fantastic ride. I wish it was that way. But it isn't. If you're truly anointed of God, you are going to be in the battle of your life. Just like Jesus Christ. And Jesus did not fight with weapons of, of physical, but he fought, fought with the Word of God. See, the Word of God is powerful. It's effective. It carries power and authority. The enemy will try to use God's Word against us. And that's what happened with Jesus. He said, he tells him right away, he says, at his, he says Jesus said, God had just told him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the enemy comes along and says, if you're really the Son of God, prove it. If you're really the Son of God, prove it. Turn these stones into bread. And Jesus resorts to the book of Deuteronomy and says, He gives back, He doesn't give him back anything else. He doesn't try to, he doesn't try to negotiate with him. He doesn't try to outwit him. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're trying to outwit the enemy, you better watch out. Billy, what do you say? He's got 6,000 years of practice. You're not going to outwit him. 
we have to be prepared. We have to come against him headlong with the word of God. Jesus did this each time. It says, it is written. It is written. See, when you're led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, you come out 40 days later, you're not led by the Holy Spirit anymore. In Luke 4.14 it says, He came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, when we have ingested, when we have devoured the Word of God, we will be able to understand and we will be able to prove what is, is right and what is wrong. But I'm going to offer you this, that each and every time the enemy will try to do and bring any kind of distraction, he will try to do everything he can to dissuade you from what is, what is right. In the book of 1 Kings 13, it says there was a man of God. And he came and he began to speak to the king. And he says, this is what's going to happen. And as he did that, the king wasn't happy with what he was saying. So he reached out. And as he reached out, his hand shriveled up. And he got paralyzed. The man of God, he was then, then the, the, the king says, could you pray for me? Pray for me that this will be healed. And so he, he prays for him. But this man of God was told to go and deliver his message. And he says, do not return the way you came. And he says, and don't stay and eat at anybody or drink at anybody's house. He even says it. If you look in the scripture, he tells them that. He says, this is what God told me. And so he leaves. He walks down the road a different way, different path. He's under an oak tree waiting, resting. He's tired. And, the, and one of the prophets in this city, one of the old prophets, the Bible says that his sons came and told him what was going on and how he had, he had spoke these things. And he said, I must go find him. Saddle my donkey so that I can go, go after him. He chases him down. He finds him under the oak tree. And he says, come back to my house. The man of God says, no, I can't. God told me not to. The old prophet says, well, God told me after he told you to go ahead and come over. So he gets on his donkey and rides back with him. And while they're eating dinner, the word of the Lord comes to the old prophet and says, you will not die with your family. You're going to die on your road back. He saddles the donkey up. He takes off. A lion devours him. And I love what the Scripture says. The Bible says that the donkey and the, the lion are looking at the body. They're just watching it. And people pass by and they see what's going on. So they go back and they tell the, the other prophet... What, I'm, what I want you guys to understand is that the enemy will do everything he can to devise a way. He will lie, cheat, steal, beg, borrow, brutalize, and he will look like light at times. But if we're not drenched in the Word of God, if we are not devouring the Word of God, we will not understand when the enemy comes in and we will, we will be... Here's, here's a man of God. I mean, 
the things that he said at the very beginning, he was standing at the altar. He says, he cried out against the altar. He said that this altar would be broken apart. He said that the, the, the high priest would be sacrificed on this altar. He said the human bones would be burned upon it. He gives him all these signs. He says this altar will be split apart. He gives him all these words of the Lord, and then he doesn't listen to the word of the Lord. See, I told you from the beginning. We cannot just be hearers of the Word. We have to be doers. If we are just simply a hearer, we might as well be doing what everybody else is doing. Just go along with the world. Because you know what? You might as well have fun. If you're going to hell, you might as well enjoy going there, right? That's right. See, we... We like, to, we, like to, we like to hear about the Word, but we don't want it. We don't, it, it. It'll challenge us even times. Like, oh, that was good. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for that. Pastor Mark. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. That just, ooh, it got into me. And then we walk away and we go, eh, I'll just, in my heart I'm doing it. See, we can't do it in our heart. We've got to be doing it. We've got to be living it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God is the cure for your crooked and polluted heart. He says there, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Remember last week I said in Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Those two words that describe the heart are deceitful, which means crooked, polluted, fraudulent. The other word is beyond cure, which means to be weak, sick, desperately sick, incurable, woeful. We always like to say, but God knows my heart. God knows my heart. See, He does. That's the problem. He sees my heart and He says, Greg, see, you can't say that anymore, Greg, because you know what? I see what's going on in your heart. It's sick. It's incurable. The only way that it can be cured is by the Word of God. That's what Hebrews is telling us. Hebrews says, you want to cure that heart? You want to make it right? Then you, you, you absorb the Word of God in your life. The Word of God is to be our guide, not our heart. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the Word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. Now, as I was reading this, I'm going to read it to you one more time, and I'm going to take, there's two words that just stuck out to me. And we also thank God continually. He's saying, Paul's saying, thank you, because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You didn't accept it as a human word, but it, as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So what he's saying is, once we receive it and we accept it, those are the two words. When you receive the Word of God and you accepted it. He says this. That word receive means this. From close alongside to aggressively take by showing strong personal initiative. So I'm gonna, I want you to think, when you received this Word, when you took it, when you made a personal initiative about it, you didn't just... 
See, today we think receive just means, well, it hit me in the face and that's it. No, he says, listen, you actually, you grabbed it. You hung on to it. You aggressively took that word of God and you applied it to your life. I will offer you to this, is that in Thessalonians, you will not indeed see the work of God working through you unless you have aggressively taken and accepted that word in your life. It's not, we can't just hear it. We have to grab a hold of it. God, I am going to, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to take this and apply it to my life. It's going to change me. I'm not going to live like I have in the past. I'm going to be different. See, he's not talking about merely hearing. He's talking about more than listening. He's talking about receiving it and accepting it in an active, aggressive fashion where we apply it to our lives. Now, the Word of God can be a work in us. Do you see what I'm saying? Play that last video. And I believe it's literal, and I believe just because why? Because even from the beginning, from the beginning, remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what did Satan say? How was he luring them in? They're going, come on, did God really say you're going to die? Okay, what are you going to do? Live for a few years and then you die? You think you're literally going to die? You're not going to die. Flood's not going to come. He's not going to kill the firstborn of every house. He's not going to have fire and and sulfur come down from the sky and consume your city. I'm just going, man, I'm I'm a simple guy. I just read this and it, I don't know, it seems to flow with everything else he's done. But we try to beautify everything. You know, we take the story of Noah's Ark and we go, oh, it's so beautiful. And your parents painted in your nursery, you know, when you're growing up. And there's two giraffes sticking their head out the window. You know, everyone's happy. And I doubt your parents painted all the people drowning. Did we forget that's a story about God killing everyone on earth? And to go, man, that's consistent with his nature. You guys, I, I, I'm not this rocket scientist. I, I just read this thing over and over and go, gosh, it sure seems like this. I, I was speaking at a conference a, a couple of weeks ago, and this guy comes up to me afterwards, and he goes, hey, no offense, but every time you speak, I think to myself, I could do that. He goes... All you do is you like, you'll read a passage of scripture, then you'll go, you guys, you got to do it. <laughs> and he goes, and I look at all my friends, I'm like, that, that's all he said. He just read that passage and said, go do it. And I go, I go, thank you. That's what I've been saying all along. Like, that, that's all I do. That's all I know to do. Like, and, and, and I tell you, it works. You just read it and you take it literally and go, man. Okay, like, like a, a few weeks ago. Everything was a few weeks ago. I- that's it. I know some of you guys probably say that about me. You go, I can do what he does. I want us to get that where we go, we do it. We, we really do it. I mean, when he says to do it, when he says to fast, we do it. He says when you pray, we do it. We get into the Word of God and we make it part of our life. We, we, we become so much a part of it. Like Ezekiel, he says, eat the scroll. 
Remember that message a while back? Eat the scroll. I want, you to, I want it to become part of you. I want you to ingest this word. I want it to become something that is not just a little, a little trickly Bible study. I want it to be something that, that, that changes you and transforms you. It makes us new. It makes us different. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I don't care what every other church around the country is doing. I want to do what His Word tells me to do. Because if we're not, then we're, we're, we're just being fools because we might as well just go and live the world's way. Let's don't, don't just mix half and half. Let's be all... This is us, God. This is us. I'm going to eat this word. I'm going to, I'm going to devour this word. Now, you know what? Some of you guys say, well, I have it on my, my phone. And I'm okay with that too. You know what? Eat it on your phone. That's fine. But as long as you're getting into it. If I see you over there gnawing on the phone in the corner, I'll know. I'm like, okay, he got, he got the message. He knew what I was saying. We're going to close with worship again. And I just... My prayer tonight is that we would not just... I've said it a couple weeks in a row now. That we wouldn't... As the, as the Word of God is like a mirror. It reflects. It shows us what we look like. Hebrews said there, he says, It will show us what's in our heart. And when the Word of God shows us what we look like, and it doesn't change us, and we just stay like we are, then we're, the Bible says we're above all men to be pitied. Because you know what? We'll go through all of this, and it'll be for nothing. If you're going to go... My, my, my prayer is, I think Scott said about his pastor down in Mexico, he says, my job is not to be your friend. My job is to get you through that narrow gate. And I will do whatever it takes to propel you through that narrow gate. If you want to go the wide and broad way, go ahead. That, I can't help you with that. But I will tell you this. That narrow way, way I am going to push you. I'm going to propel you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to make you mad at times. I'm going to make you love me at times. But I'm going to tell you this. I am going to get you through that door no matter what it takes. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be.